Hey, good morning. Welcome into In Focus on News Radio KMAN. Good way of powering through that weather forecast, Stephen Schaefer. Yeah, thanks. It, it's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, it happens when you have your voice go out a little bit there. Uh, we welcome you into our program. We've got a good show lined up here today. Education going to be uh, taking precedent here most of the hour. We've got USD 383 officials in first, and then we'll hear uh, from Dr. Mary Cohn, uh, Associate Professor of English at K-State. They've got an event coming up tomorrow at the Manhattan Public Library, and then we'll finish up with the Fort Riley Combined Graduation, a preview of that coming up around 945. We start, though, with uh, Manhattan Ogden Schools, and joining us here uh, in studio is Assistant Superintendent Eric Reed. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Brandon. And on Zoom, we have Brandy Santos, one of the school board members. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you both on. It's uh, been an interesting few days here. This has been a very busy week. And um, Eric, I, I know I saw you out at the uh, the event uh, on Monday, the, uh, the major announcement uh, for uh, Scorpion. And boy, just about everybody, that was a who's who of, of people in the region and the state. And uh, Really exciting announcement for our area. It's big. I mean, it, it it's really big. You know, you talk about the facility, you talk about the jobs, you talk about the changes it'll bring to the community. Um, you know, I I I was just blessed to have the opportunity to, to be there. Um, didn't didn't really contribute a whole lot to to anything, but just be there. And what I what struck me through through all the things was. Um, the teamwork of, of all our groups are our, our federal and state. You know, when you when you have Jerry Moran working with Governor Laura Kelly, um, Tracy Mann on the on the federal level, the state level, and then you get our local people thrown in there who really work together on a daily basis all the time. So you're throwing people that sometimes don't work together um, very well or very much, and and you put a coordinated effort in to do something amazing. And um, I, I was so proud of our community. Just, just so proud of our community, what they put together, and, and K-State pulling that together. Uh, hearing some of the stories about how General Myers contributed to that as well when he was president at K-State, was uh, they, they were great stories. I think they were, they were a lot of fun. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, I know USD 33 has a footprint over there in Pottawatomie County now with Oliver Brown Elementary School. And uh, this is, I, I just imagine in the next few years, we're going to see that area continue to flourish. And uh, potentially, uh, I, it was talked about a little bit. I'm sure infrastructure is going to be improved in that area. And Excel Road eventually maybe will go up to the school, and good things probably coming for that area. I think that's definitely on the hopper, and I and I think the infrastructure and the housing developments going up in that area, I, I, it's going to put pressure on them. Um, that that's absolutely for sure. And I think the circle is going to be wide. It's going to go clear to Wamigo, Rock Creek, and as well as Manhattan Ogden um, school districts will all be impacted by this because, I mean, that's 500-plus jobs. that they'll, they'll come from a wide circle, and, and we, we need to be involved in that. And so it'll, it'll definitely push us to change and, and grow. Uh, Brandon, do you want to share any comments on that uh, Monday's announcement? I am actually very excited. Um, I also live in Pot County, and um, my home will be close to um, the new proposed <coughs> um, facility. And I do, I think um, 500 jobs um, will bring, you know, an opportunity for new development. Um, we will have to make sure we accommodate um, and take care of any of the children that come in from out of state. Mm -hmm. And then of course, we're gonna, you know, likely see people um, move closer to work. And so those that are local might um, come out towards this direction and, and that will definitely put um, some more responsibility on Oliver Brown, but I am, 
100% confident that our district can handle this. This is what we've prepared for, for this development. And um, really excited to see what the next couple of years holds, because I think once one company comes in, more do, and I think it's always a benefit for the people of Manhattan, so, and the local area. And I wanna um, piggyback on what Eric said. A lot of people came together, um, different views, and they all came together for the benefit of Kansans in this area, in the foothills, and so, um, great job to everyone involved. Yeah, and I, I want to throw in there too. You know, one of the components they made. You know, I, I, that's why I was glad I was at the ceremony. They talked about um, ingesting them, putting, inserting themselves into um, our K twelve STEM programs. And I'm, I'm sure we'll work with MATC on some of the career pathways that'll that'll lead right to that facility, potentially. And um, I, I, th I think there's a great opportunity for for a lot of people to be able to prepare them to work here to stay here and and to live a good life yeah no kidding there's that's a, a good opportunity here they're going to need a pipeline of employees there for generations to come here and obviously some of that will come from out of the manhattan area but if you can develop your own that's always a, a plus yeah i think i think matc uh they they, they were in on all this too ma making sure we they have what they need to put together the program that um, Scorpion's going to need for their employees. So I, I, I think we're in a great, great position with our higher ed, with the military community too. I think um, I, I was really impressed how they want to tie in the military and really shoot for retired military and military spouses um, targeting. The, those are people that have, have had specialty training throughout their careers a lot of the time, and, and they retire and they can transition over the private sector and still serve their country just in a different capacity. Well, it's certainly uh, interesting, and I know this kind of goes in the, in the middle of, uh, of what's a busy week and a busy month here for the schools. We're about a month out from the end of uh, the school year, if you can believe that already. It's going to be summer vacation before you know it. Uh, where are you guys at in terms of state testing? Is that still going on? I think it's still going on. I, we're, we're in the window um, pro probably for another couple weeks. I, I think most of the schools like to wrap it up prior to May. Um, then we get into some local assessments, but I, th I think for the most part that should be winding down, um, depending on how they schedule it. You know, some people like, I always like being at the front of the window. I didn't like being at the back of the window. Um, when I gave my t state test, um, some people are procrastinators. They want to hold off to the end and, and teach you everything they can before they take that assessment. So it kind of depends on style and depends on schedules and when, when things are available. Very good. Uh, and I know that the school board members, they, you guys spend time uh, visiting different schools. Uh, where, where have you been lately, Brandy? Um, I actually, last couple of weeks, I've been pretty quiet, but I spend a lot of time at Oliver Brown. I'm very happy to have two children there. And so um, seeing what they're doing, I know there's a lot of field trips going on. Um, I'm not the, um, the liaison for Theodore Roosevelt, but I keep track of them as well. They are dear to my heart. So... Um, I have been working on those. I also um, was at Lee um, about a month and a half ago. Um, it's, like I said, it's been a little slow, but what I do know is that all of our schools, whether it's elementary, middle school, or high school, have so many things going on. I know assemblies are back, field trips are happening, um, educational programs are going on, uh, music programs are happening in the next couple of weeks, and so Everyone is real busy. It's like springtime and everything has um, livened up. So it's, it's really nice to see everyone get involved more um, in their kids, in their education, in the school buildings. Um, it's a different environment than it was two years ago, and I'm really pleased to see that. 
know, something stood out to me. I went to a Marlette last Tuesday because my daughter's in fifth grade, and they had a vocal music performance. And the the teacher there was – you could just see her passion rubbing off. And she's like, this is the first time we've gotten to do this in two years, and I'm so excited to have everybody here. And it was – a full crowd, and it was just really neat to see. Oh, they're, they're chomping at the bit just as hard as the kids are and the, and the parents, you know. And I think you get some of those comments, you know, the principal's telling me, hey, we have a second-grade concert tonight. I'm like, oh, okay, that's great. No, Eric, we have a second-grade concert. This <laughs> is the first time they've got to perform. They, they missed their kindergarten concert last year. Um, we didn't have concerts in person, and this is the first time they perform in second grade. And I'm like, Wow. Wow, what a, what a, what a difference that makes to be able to come because some kids this is their thing. There there's some kids they want to work all year to perform and and to sing those programs and they love it and you can see it on their faces. Some people like me, yeah, I'm standing in the back. I kind of got a frown. My mom made me dress up and I didn't really like it too much. Um, ended up being a pretty good singer in high school. I kind of liked it, but when I was in elementary, nope. But some people this is their passion and it's their heart and it definitely is the passion and heart of our music teachers. Yep, absolutely. Well, it's neat to see activities happening, and uh, we're going to see lots and more of those here leading up to uh, the end, basically the end of the school year. And uh, commencement is going to happen. Uh, that'll be uh, when? May 15th. May 15th, okay. Yep. Two o'clock, Bramlage Coliseum. All right, and that, is that uh, the first time it's been back indoors, or were you guys outdoors last year? I don't recall. We, we were outside last year. We, we followed K-State, and they set up Bill Schneider Family Stadium, which was really neat. Um, we, we got it in before the storm came in, That's before right. the lightning. We got, a little, we got a little show far off in the future, <laughs> but we got everybody through before we shut down. Back inside, that's a little more controlled environment. So <laughs> happy to not have that weather stress. Not living on the edge, that's for sure. <clears throat> All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, we'll take a look at some more uh, events and, and announcements here after the break and uh, get into the agenda here for tonight in a moment. In Focus continues after this on KMAN. We're back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN with our USD 383 officials, uh, Assistant Superintendent Eric Reed and Board Member Brandy Santos joining us here today. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the uh, announcements here. Brandy's got that in front of her. What do we got coming up? Oh, we do. We have um, Saturday night is prom night. So prom is held at the Manhattan Town Center from 9 to 11 p.m. And we are down to our last four weeks of school. Very excited um, for the summer. And these last four weeks are jam-packed, as we talked about earlier, with uh, concerts and field days, field trips, um, activities, um, athletics. And so we do encourage everyone to get involved in all of our students' activities. Um, Manhattan High School graduation, just a reminder again, that's Sunday, May 15th at 2 p.m. at Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, the last day of school is Wednesday, May 18th. Um, that will be a half a day and students will be released before lunch. And also we want to um, recognize our retirees. So we will have a retirement recognition tonight, actually at five o'clock at Manhattan High School West in the library. So. Those are a couple things that are happening. Very important to put on your calendars and make sure you know what's going on. All right. Very good. Uh, as far as uh, we on the agenda tonight, we always like to highlight the donations and grants. What do we got tonight? Absolutely. We have, um, I believe it's a $500 cash donation from the Poetry Foundation to Manhattan High School for classroom supplies. We have a $1,000 cash donation from the National Christian Foundation Heartland uh, to Manhattan High School for um, orchestra, sh orchestra trip. 
and we have a $1,500 cash donation from BCAUSE um, project to Ogden Elementary for project supplies. So we have a total of $3,000 in donations and grants, and we always really appreciate those. Um, we couldn't you know, keep functioning to the level that we do without the support of our community. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks to everybody who donates. That's uh, always wonderful news to report on. We uh, take a look at what's coming up on the agenda here tonight, and I know uh, the school board uh, tabled its discussion April 6th on the uh, superintendent succession plan. That's going to be brought back up uh, again here tonight, and uh, I guess this will be the, the final reading. Is that right, Brandy? Um, it will be. I don't know if it's the final reading. Um, we'll double check on that, but um, I know we'll be discussing that succession plan. Uh, they did table it uh, the last board meeting. You know, a couple of us board members, me included, were not able to make it. And um, we have decided as a group that, you know, this is a very important topic that we really want to all be involved in. So we appreciate that for those of us that weren't there. Um, but we need to discuss it. We need to um, make sure that we're all on the same page and really coming up with a succession plan um, and to address the job description for the superintendent for for a number of reasons. But really, when you look at um, the job, we want someone there in our future. Um, we want to prepare for the future of our district. We want to make sure that um, our district succeeds and that you know we are recognized as a top district, not just in Kansas, but throughout the country and what we have to offer. Um, and that superintendent plays a vital part in that. Um, and so when we look at that succession plan, that's that's really what we want to discuss um, and talk um, openly with the community. And we've had some feedback there. Um, and also when we look at that job description, um, you know, my view might be a little different, but I truly believe um, in merit and experience. And some of the things that have been in that job description in the past um, may need to evolve a little. And um, I think education comes in a number of forms and, um, you know, we want to discuss how that really fits into what we're looking for. So um, the succession plan will be a topic and uh, we'll likely have um, a vote from what I understand tonight and we'll be able to move forward from there to develop that. All right. Or not. I guess that's what the board's for. So I should, right. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what I Some good conversation. Sure. Well, and, and I haven't seen a lot of districts do succession planning. It, it is kind of a novel concept. But, Eric, I'm obviously uh, you're in the, in that role now here as assistant superintendent. I know you don't like to talk about yourself. But, you know, the, the fact that uh, the, the board is, is working on something like this and, and they've shown some support for you here, uh, it's got to make you feel good about that. I think in a lot of ways it's, <clears throat> it's humbling and, and grateful for the community and, and for the board recognizing what we've accomplished. And I say we, cause it, it, it's a team. It takes a lot of people to pull a lot of things together. Um, I'm proud of what I've been able to do um, during my time here as assistant superintendent and had an opportunity to learn from Bob Shannon, Marvin Wade, you know, two, two of the best, you know, they're two of the best that ever walked the halls of the ed center. I, I can tell you that. And it's been a blessing just to learn from them every day. And, to even have a discussion about me being able to continue in that role is is a blessing, and I'm grateful for it. All right. And, of course, Dr. Wade, we've, we've reported, and he's told me personally that uh, he supports the uh, the succession plan here. So that's uh, good to hear. He's not going anywhere. He's uh, he's still going to fulfill his contract. 
Um, there is some other items here on the agenda that will be discussed tonight, and I think one that's uh, interesting is the uh, the system purchase here for um, MVA, the Manhattan Virtual Academy, and uh, of note here, they are uh, seeing a heck of a number of uh, students coming into that program. Oh, yeah. Um, and MBA, obviously, we, we knew COVID was going to kind of push some families into the MBA route. And, and we also expanded our program to include uh, elementary levels as well. So that's some of the number increases that we've seen. But yeah, uh, Brooke Blanc, you know, she she's a great planner, a great administrator for MBA. And she's bringing together a management system purchase, which is um, for, for people in, within our system now, they'll understand Canvas. So when I say Canvas... Um, that, that's what we use at USD 383. But for the MBA, they, they have a mix. They, they need s- programs that can take their software into that management system. And Canvas doesn't do that as well as Buzz does. So we'll set them up with a different set that helps them be successful doing what they do. Okay, very good. And MBA, of course, uh, we, we know all the good work they're doing out there. Um, other than that, on new business, you got a lot of uh, just kind of housekeeping material here. Yeah, dishwasher, restroom partitions, uh, student fees, textbook rentals, bringing that for a first reading tonight as well. So, yeah, no, normal stuff that usually comes up this time of year. Um, a little surprised it's that short. <laughs> yeah. I think next next month we'll probably have quite a few things, um, d- different things as, as we end the year. Well, in terms of uh, the strategic framework, uh, what what, uh, what all do you guys have uh, on that that's being presented tonight? Well, and I think Dr. Wade kind of brought up some revisions and gave it to him last time around, and now that the board's had that in their hands a little bit to think and give feedback. So I, I think that's kind of where we're at, but I'll let Brandy go on that. Well, I, I think that um, we've discussed as a board that it's nice to review, um, like the, any business plan. Uh, what our strategic framework is going to be moving forward. I think it's important to review that on an annual basis. Um, we had some suggestions at a couple board meetings back. Um, the administration um, was very attentive. They listened to us. Um, Dr. Wade um, helped to um, revisit that. And, you know, we just really want to, you know, as I said earlier, make this the best district that we can possibly make it. We really feel that um, our education um, is tremendously important and um, the strategic framework is just as important to see where where we go as a district and so we're just going to revisit that and make sure we're all on the same page so that we can be productive and really work uh, for the benefit of our students and our teachers and our community okay again the school board meets at 6 30 tonight at the robinson education center and uh the retirement reception again will be at five o'clock and where's that happening again West Campus Library. Okay. So you can mosey on across the street to that as well. It's really fun. It it really is a fun event. Yeah. You know, I'm probably the saddest person there because I see all the people we're losing. um, But, boy, they're really happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I, and maybe this is inappropriate, but I'm going to do it anyway. There's one particular teacher that we are very fond of. And so I want to give a shout out to Mrs. Ashenbrenner in hopes that she will be there um, I know she is retiring, um, and she is a TR teacher, uh, fourth grader or fourth grade teacher. And um, my daughter will actually be at the retirement recognition in hopes that she can say her farewells. So you, you got a lot of people, a lot of people that have given a lot for a long time to a lot of kids, and you just see the good that they've done over the years. That's that's why it's a great event. 
Yeah. So, so my, my family is, is happy to be there, not just me, but, um, you know, this is open um, because we want to recognize every single person that um, has come through and, and given all to our children. So thank you, everyone who's retiring, and we hope to see you tonight. All right, very good. Well, we appreciate the, the time here, as always, with our school district officials. Eric, Brandy, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, Brandon. All right, stay tuned. More in focus in a moment. News Radio KMAN. We are back here on In Focus News Radio KMAN, and we are live here with uh, Dr. Mary Cohn, who who is a, a professor in the Department of English at Kansas State University. Uh, Dr. Cohn, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, good to have you here. She's in to talk about uh, a panel discussion taking place tomorrow, from seven to eight p.m. at the Manhattan Public Library Auditorium. It's titled. Kansas Without the Kanza, Understanding How the Kanza Homeland Became K-State. Tell us a little bit more about what's going on. Yeah, so I am the director of the Chapman Center for Rural Studies at Kansas State University. And the center is devoted to celebrating Kansas history. And we've had uh, a lot of opportunities to do that around town um, and throughout the state. Uh, So we've had events in the past with the Discovery Center and other organizations. One thing that strikes me as a linguist, uh, because that's my discipline that I study, is how language can oftentimes hold stories for us. And that when we start uncovering what our language is based on, we can start remembering components of our past that maybe we haven't focused on as much. And I think when I think of Kansas, I think our state name really offers a great example of that. So one of the questions that we always ask people at the Chapman Center when we're doing pop quizzes and fun interviews and things like that is, what was our state named after? And we get really excited when people recognize that it, our state is named after the Kanza Nation. And so the project that we're offering tomorrow, the panel discussion, is all about how Kanza land came to fund and support K-State so that we can remember and uncover that history. Yeah, well, and and so much of that is uh, kind of overshadowed here in history. It seems like uh, more and more just kind of gets kind of pushed into the corner. Yeah, you know, uh, as a land-grant institution, we have so much to celebrate, and we do so much good for uh, the surrounding communities. But it's important to remember how land grants were funded. And so the Morrill Act of 1862, I think uh, anyone who is associated with K-State is very familiar with that act. Uh, It basically funded most universities by taking land that was taken from uh, indigenous nations and giving it to universities. And the patterns of these gifts were really kind of interesting because you would see like Cornell University up in New York would get land in Colorado, and they would get these land tracts, and then they could sell these land tracts to help fund their university. Um, K-State is really unique because all of our land came from the Kansas area and came specifically from land that belonged to the Kanza. Uh, And so acknowledging that, I think, is really important to understand where we came from. Okay. So you'll probably dive into some of that uh, history and and some of, uh, you know, obviously it was probably a, a, 
different time here. Uh, the turmoil that kind of went along with that. I'm sure it wasn't just like, here, here take the land here from us. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's we've got so much history here in Manhattan. And one of the things that I love about Kansas is we just have so many rich stories. And I think one that uh, people in Manhattan are starting to be a little more familiar with is about uh, Blue Earth Plaza. So I I think of Blue Earth Plaza as where I go for great bread and a good cup of coffee, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But I think we are also starting to learn that these lands have, or starting to remember that these lands have been occupied for thousands of years. We're not, it wasn't a blank slate when European settlers started to come over. And so understanding that kind of context, I think, is really important for us. Certainly is. And uh, you mentioned the, the linguist here and not knowing, you know, some folks do know that Kansas is named after the Kansa, but, you know, we have native names in everything, like uh, the Potawatomi County, uh, you got Wabunsee County, um, and I go on and on. Osawatomi is another one. I mean, there's just so many. Yeah, you know, and um, actually one of our major contributors to this project, uh, Chester Chester Hubbard, is uh, a Potawatomi band. Um, uh, and he's contributed some really great mapping skills for us. So he's created, he's a geography major at K-State and has come up with these wonderful images that sort of encapsulate this. But as a linguist, one of my favorite things to share is the history of the word Topeka. Mm. Uh, Do you know this story? I don't. So, uh, like I said before, a lot of times our place names have hidden information in them. And Topeka is one of my favorites because it's related to the Siouan word. Well, it is the Siouan word um, for a good place to dig potatoes. (laughs) And this specifically relates to um, uh, concept traditions of um, digging up potatoes. prairie potatoes, which is, uh, they're related to turnips, um, but they were, they would grow um, around the region. And these place names, uh, some of these indigenous place names, they sort of hold clues to how to survive on the land, right? And so they give you information about your environment. And so digging up those kinds of stories, I think, is really special. That is pretty neat. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure our map is littered with more stories like that. That's oh. cool. Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's that's true for our place names, regardless of their origin. So Lindsburg, Kansas is one that I love to point out. You know, there are Lindsburg, Can- there's Lindsburg in uh, Sweden as well. And that shows that connection of people to place, right? So I love, I love as a linguist how digging into these name histories can help us, you know, uncover these stories. Yeah. Well, and again, this tomorrow is uh, free to the public. You can come out. Uh, it looks like you've got a partnership with Humanities Kansas and um, the Chapman Center for Rural Studies. Uh, putting stuff like this on is, is such a neat thing here in a college community. I just I, I love the fact that we have these opportunities and really get to learn more about the rich history that I don't know that so many people have, have told here. We hear the history of other places around the country, but you know, Kansas is really special. You know, it's at the center of everything, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's one reason why uh, we really have to thank Kansas Humanities, because they do such incredible work supporting projects like this and also helping us remember why Kansas is such a fascinating place. And, and so people come out to this tomorrow um, or they check in on Zoom and this will be recorded so you can go back and look. 
Yeah, so this is a live event at uh, Manhattan Public Library. We'd like to thank them as well. Um, it's from 7 to 8 in the auditorium, and people can show up there. Uh, we do not have um, an online component, but we will be filming the event, okay. and that video will go up on the Chapman Center website, hopefully by the end of the month. We'll also have an online digital exhibit that people can check out on the Chapman Center website as well. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And so um, there'll be all kinds of you know, history lessons here. The treaties, I'm sure that'll be a, an interesting topic here because uh, how those treaties were crafted and, 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 and you know, what kind of the angle was here going forward. Yeah, so uh, we'll be working, uh, the panel consists of some of our student scholars, but also uh, we have uh, representatives uh, who are, are experts in these fields, um, including Ty Edwards, who is um, uh, Associate Professor of History and Director of the Johnson County Community College Kansas Studies Institute, as well as C. Huffman, who is a, theolo a theologian and poet and Con Nation citizen. And they provide some really interesting perspectives on how these legal documents were crafted to try to create cultural revolution. So uh, the, the design of these treaties were trying to uh, uh, change lifestyles and change the way people live. So they were more than just about land, and they more, were more than compacts between nations. Uh, and looking into that, I think that it tells us something really interesting about the time period. One thing that um, Chester Hubbard pointed out to us that I didn't notice when I was first reading these is how in the 1825 treaty, uh, uh, the Kanza is referred to as the Kanza Nation. But by 1846, these documents were referring to them as the Kanza tribe. And so those kinds of changes in language show the changes in footing that were going on between these institutions, between these uh, policyholders and politicians. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's a sad history. It's, it's one of the, the scars on our, our American history, uh, the, the way the natives were treated here. And, and I think it's good that there's efforts like this to kind of remember that history because it has been kind of overlooked. And I, I think things like this really bring it to attention. And I think there's also a lot to be celebrated. So there's mm -hmm. been a lot going on um, that has been um, uh, leading to a celebration of culture here. Uh, so, sure. for example, Lawrence's uh, city council just released, a, uh, agreed uh, that uh, a, a sacred rock in um, Robinson Park uh, belongs to the Ka, and there's actually work underway to transfer that sacred rock back to the community. So there's a lot to celebrate when we look at this, too. That's wonderful. Well, good to hear that. And again, 7 o'clock tomorrow at Manhattan Public Library Auditorium. You guys filled this up pretty quickly, it sounds like, so that's great. We're excited that people are interested in local history. I think there's nothing better to bring history to life than to look around you in your own community. All right. Well, Dr. Cohn, anything else you want to highlight here before we wrap things up? Uh, no, I just hope that people come out, check out the website, and we look forward to questions and we look forward to the conversation. Okay, very good. Manhattan Public Library Auditorium tomorrow, 7 o'clock. Be sure to check it out. Uh, Dr. Cohn, thank you for being here. Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll hear from uh, some folks from Fort Riley. We've got the uh, combined graduation coming up here. We'll preview that next here on News Radio KMAN. We're back here on In Focus, News Radio KMAN. And uh, our next segment here, we're going to be talking about the uh, Fort Riley. 
combined graduation ceremony, which is coming up here pretty soon. We're going to find out more from Mackenzie Slay, guidance counselor at the Fort Riley Education Services. Mackenzie, welcome in. Hi, it's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We've got... uh, When is the uh, ceremony? Is it sometime in May, right? Yeah, so our graduation ceremony is going to be May 19th at the Hilton Garden Inn in Manhattan. I am super excited. It's indoors with air conditioning this year. That's right. So is it the last two years we've been outdoors? Um, The last year we were outdoors. The previous year, I do not believe we had one. Okay. Last year was my first one. Okay, yeah. It's so so hard to remember because uh, the last two years are kind of a, a blur here with COVID, but... Uh, great to see that that'll be back, and, and the Hilton Garden is a, a wonderful backdrop for this event. Oh, yes. I am very excited. We have over 100 graduates with 73 of them walking. Those numbers could change. I believe the graduates still have another week to report if they're going to be in attendance or not. All right. And these are folks uh, from all walks of life here at Fort Riley. Yeah. So we're going to have our active duty service members. We're going to have our family members, dependents. Um, I believe there might even, there's a few DOD civilians as well. Okay. And so who, I, I guess let's talk a little bit more about the ceremony itself. What, what all it will entail? Yeah, so the ceremony, we're going to be celebrating all 101 graduates from our seven different colleges on post. So our colleges on post are going to be Central Michigan University, Upper Iowa University, Southwestern College, Central Texas College, Hutchinson Community College, Barton Community College, and of course, Kansas State University. Okay. So tell us why why hold an event like this? Why, why is it so important? Yeah, I think this event is so important because unlike traditional college students, our military family members and military active duty members, they're traveling all the time. They're PCSing. Our soldiers are in the field constantly. So them getting to accomplish finishing a degree, whether it be a certificate, an associate's, a bachelor's or a master's is just such a big deal. I am. I actually had a service member the other day who called me while I was at work, and he was literally in his tank submitting a homework assignment on his phone, and that just made my heart like smile. It was so awesome to know how hard they work out there um, while being full time service members. That's twenty four seven job, and also college students too. Yeah, I don't. We know we know military members sacrifice a lot here, but it, it cannot be understated, especially when you know they're they're doing their job and getting an education at the same time because uh, the plan is you're going to you're going to better yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And no one is making them better themselves or continue their education. It is all on their own. They are going out of their way to do this and I think that's what makes it so amazing. So because they're traveling, I, w- I imagine some of them will have family, maybe some will not here because maybe you know travel is just kind of a difficult time right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, So our graduates are allowed up to two guests per graduate um, with the current COVID litigations, mitigations, I mean. Um, However, we will be on May 19th at one o'clock. It'll be on the Fort Riley education page live streamed on Facebook. Okay, very good. So there'll be an opportunity there for the people to check in on that. And and then that's just there. You can, you can, if you miss it, you get to go look back on it, which is great. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, as far as uh, any any guest speakers, do you have anybody planned uh, to speak at this event? Yeah, right now I believe our guest speaker is going to be the garrison commander, William McKenney. Um, that could change just depending on his schedule and life. As we know in the military, things move and change all the time. And then our director of our education center, Mrs. Shirley Ferguson, will also be talking too. 
Okay. You said this is your second uh, event here. So um, obviously COVID hampered it a little bit last year. This is probably really uh, getting to, you're getting the chance to really embrace it this year. Yeah, I'm getting a chance to really embrace it. And I've been working there longer. So I know more of the service members and the family members that are graduating. So I'm so excited to be able to celebrate um, their success and get to see them walk across the little stage and get their diploma. Very good. Um, again, May 19th, uh, over 100 graduates going to be uh, walking at this event. What else uh, do we need to let listeners know? Um, we need to let them know that it's really important that we have all these programs on Fort Riley. And if you're a spouse, a dependent, civilian, veteran, or active duty service member, come by the Education Center to learn about all of our programs. Um, we have seven different colleges on post. They have evening classes, daytime classes, all online classes. You know, I mentioned earlier there's certificate programs, associate's degrees, all the way up to master's level stuff. There's something out there for you, and it's our job to help you kind of find which program might be the best fit for you. So if anyone ever wants to come on down, we're at 211 Custer Avenue on Main Post, right across from the King's Field House. And our number is also going to be 785-239-6481. Okay. Well, as far as the, uh, you mentioned that the college is here, as far as the, de- the degrees that have been earned, I mean, what, what, are, what kind of specialties are we talking about? Yeah, I think the most popular degree that I see is getting an associate's degree, whether it be an associate's of science in you know, with an emphasis in biology or general studies. And I think that's because a lot of service members, um, when they're choosing to go to school, it might be hard for them to look at the really big picture in that moment of time. So starting with an associate's degree, they're more likely to finish that within their first contract. Um, It's definitely the most popular, that or a certificate program. The airframe and power plant certificate program at Kansas State University is really popular. We also have some different um, security management bachelor degrees that's also really popular too. Um, It's a very wide range. As you can probably imagine, there's lots and lots of people on Fort Riley. Very cool. Will there be data that's collected to see how many of them uh, choose to stay in the Manhattan area or in Kansas in general? Um, I think there is data that my supervisor actually collects after the graduation ceremony and stuff. It's kind of hard to track everyone because everyone PCSs a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Uh, This is a a wonderful event. And, you know, if if you're a community member and you just want to show your support, this is probably a wonderful opportunity to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone's more than welcome to chime in on the Fort Riley Facebook page to watch the event live. If you ever wonder what a army graduation ceremony looks like. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, anything else here before we, uh, wrap things up here? I think that's it. Does that cover it? Okay. Yeah. Well, very good. May 19th again, Hilton Garden Inn. That's where that's going to be. And, uh, always good to celebrate these Fort Riley, uh, graduates. And, uh, thank you to, uh, Mackenzie for, for highlighting this. This is great. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. You bet. Uh, that's going to wrap up the, uh, the program here for today. So, uh, thank you to McKenzie. Thank you to, uh, Dr. Cohn and our USD 383 officials. Uh, tomorrow on the program, we're going to be celebrating, uh, well, uh, celebrating a little bit here with, uh, chamber president and CEO, Jason Smith. It's been a big week for him. Uh, that new, uh, major investment in Pottawatomie County announced this week. So, uh, we'll talk more about that, get more into the details of how that all went down and much more coming up on in focus tomorrow.